Hello, my name is Sam Clements and welcome to The Love of Cinema, a picture house podcast proudly supported by Kia. And this is a special mini edition of the show. In between our monthly reviews, we like to talk to filmmakers and directors if they're in town. And we spoke to one today. <laughs> uh, we spoke to Davy Chout, the writer and director of Return to Seoul. Uh, Davy is in London uh, from his home in Cambodia to uh, to promote the film. He's doing some Q&As, doing some events, doing some press things. And, uh, and yeah, we were invited along to go and speak to Davy about this wonderful film. Return to Seoul recently played in our Discover Strand, uh, where we'd like to show, give people a first look at upcoming bits of our programme. Uh, and it went on very well. So really, really excited to have this playing as a main feature from Friday the 5th of May. Just to bring you up to speed, because we kind of go straight in to talking about the film. Uh, the plot of Return to Seoul follows a 25-year-old French woman who returns to Korea, the country uh, in which she was born, before being adopted by a French couple. Um, and it's her first journey to Seoul, to Korea, for the very first time. Uh, and she decides to track down her biological parents. But uh, sort of as we talk about in the interview, it isn't your typical being reunited with your biological parents sort of story. It features an amazing lead performance as well by Jimin Park. So, uh, and, and the whole cast are, are wonderful, but um, Jimin Park is a very big part of the film. So you will see uh, a lot of her fantastic work on screen. I've never met Davy. I've never seen a Davy Chow film before. I think he's made a couple prior to Return to Seoul, but I was blown away by this. So I do recommend you seek it out if you can. I think that's enough for me. Let's bring Davy into the show. Uh, without further ado, this is my conversation with writer and director Davy Chow about Return to Seoul. Tu ne connais vraiment rien de la Corée? Non, rien. How long do you want to stay? I don't know yet, but uh, three nights. I need your passport, please. Mais vous êtes française? Hello, Davy. Welcome to the Picture House podcast. Thank you very much for speaking to us today. Hi, my pleasure. Thank you for coming all the way to England to to talk about Return to Seoul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I fled from Cambodia a few days ago, and it's it's cool. Happy you, to be here. Uh, that's, I think it's it's always. I mean, it must be interesting for you, sort of traveling with the film and seeing how different audiences are responding to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first thing is that I feel lucky and grateful that I can travel with the film, and the film had found places not only festival but commercial release, as is the case in the UK. That 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 that's so cool and. Of course, we know it's a crisis of cinema and art house cinema and even cinema everywhere. So I feel grateful that yeah, that film could find uh, homes in many countries and in the UK, especially to me, because uh, actually the film origin was kind of officially happened in London in 2017. Oh, wow! Because yeah, it's it's the all the story was inspired by uh, an episode I experienced with. I was here accompanying a friend who inspired Freddie, the main character of Redon to Seoul, when she was meeting her biological father in 2011 during my very first trip in South Korea. I kept that idea in mind. I, I didn't think very strongly to make a film out of it because I Korea is not my country. So, But later on, when I was looking for a new idea of film after my first feature film, Diamond Island, I shot in Cambodia. So that was 2017. And then I, I had a trip to London and my friend was living in London at that time. Wow. And I was like, kind of like baiting with myself, like, I'm going to just have a dream with her and tell her that I have this, have this weird idea of making a film 
about the scene we like expand together about her meeting her father and maybe about her life and what she will think and if she say no way you're doing that then I will find another idea of film and if she said yes maybe that's my film and that's what happened so going back to London presenting the film it's also special in that case oh wow sort of uh, back to where it started <laughs> in <Yeah>. a way <laughs> uh, it's always interesting hearing sort of what you know wh wh where an idea may come from you know and it's not always the obvious uh, place but this sounds like yeah. a you know, a real sort of chance circumstance which has resulted in this wonderful film. Yeah, I, I, I find a bit fascinated by this kind of uh, process, actually. It means that uh, w what is behind the impulsion, what is behind some kind of, like, instinct that you have about, like, there is some there is a calling about the story that I felt, and, okay, that let's do it. But when you make a film, it's, it's special because it's going to take you three, four, in, in this case, like, um, yeah, like five years of my life. So what... It needs to be strong, but in the same time, you're not always sure. And what I want to say is that I was attracted to that story, thinking that, okay, that's a story of my friend, that's a story that needs to be told, needs to be told, and let's go for it. And then writing the script, like starting writing the script, I realized what maybe was the, the, the obvious thing on, uh, on the nose, that, uh, nose on the face that I didn't see, which is the many personal, deep, intimate connection I personally had with that story that way maybe was the real deep reasons why I was also attracted to that story that I was totally blind not to see, which means that I'm not adoptee, I'm not Korean, I'm not a woman as well, but I was born in France from parents who fled from Cambodia to France in 73. Two years later, the Khmer Rouge took over in Cambodia and it was the beginning of the Khmer Rouge regime. That kind of killed a lot of, a big part of our family, so my mm. parents just decided as many Cambodian lucky migrants in a way because they mm. could escape before to stay where they were, which in the, f in the case of my parents were friends, was friends. So I grew up there and, and at the age of 25, with total ignorance of that country of origin, I decided to go there mm. in a kind of similar free-spirited mind and a bit self-assured slash arrogance of Freddy in the beginning of the of Return to Sea also. And, and, and that was in 2009, so... 14 years ago now and today I'm living in Cambodia actually oh I wow. told you I, I fled from Cambodia right so and I'm producing films there I have made films there I'm producing Cambodian directors there so my life has been divided between France and Cambodia for the last 15 uh, 13 years so obviously the story of really being divided between France and Korea it's also something I feel yeah in resonance with very strongly but I had to jump into the fire without really knowing why to discover that strong uh, echo and connection having that personal connection all feeds into the script doesn't it you know even though freddie's story is different in the film it's c it comes from a personal place to you and, and that's what we as an audience resonate with when we're watching it um in in the thing because you i mean like i guess how did how did you build this character of freddie and, and and everything around her in the screenplay when you were writing well, a lot of the aspects of the film actually come also from what my friend Laura Badulf has shared with me because she, she, after she said yes, she also a few weeks later sent me a document with a lot of anecdotes and dates and chronology of her different experience with Korea. And after the writing process was also me putting other stories of people I met or personal things that I have personally experienced in Korea or not in Korea. And kind of like shake that but one of the idea was I wanted the character and the narrative to be a bit unpredictable um, by pleasure because I think that today watching uh, contemporary cinema after 10 minutes you kind of always know where the story is going to lead you to what the end is going to be and it's so boring and 
and I feel that we're missing that a bit, but also because I think that film in particular was also made in resistance to maybe what I would call the usual cliche narrative about an adoption story or maybe more extensively a uh, journey to the root story. And that's very contemporary stories that I feel very connected with because it's my story as well, that I think so many people today have had this experience of being in a diaspora um, community and deciding to go to go or to go back in the country where they have origins and what they know nothing about. And that's a very common story now. Mm. And that's why we also a bit surrounded by this kind of narrative even in film documentaries or, 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 or whatever and or books. And, and, and I felt often a bit frustrated uh, with these stories, this type of stories, because I often feel that there is a type of always similar ideology of easy reconciliation and closure in which the main protagonist will face a little difficulties and at the end of this maybe two weeks trip they will reconcile all their kind of different identities and stuff and in the case of adoption stories it will be the the meeting with the biological parent will kind of like fulfill all their desire and their needs and yeah the experience of my friend or other adoptees i met or even my own experience uh, going back to cambodia has been so different so much complex uh, so yeah so much brutal in a way as well into like really defying your expectation of what you believe that trip will be and uh, and often they will tell me the adoptees that uh, the meeting your biological parent is only the beginning of having a lot more questions, a lot more troubles and problems that you will need to confront yourself through, yeah, the journey of your life, let's say. So, yeah, the film was made, the, uh, to go back to the question, like the unpredictability of the narration and Freddy as shaped and considered it was, was also made to kind of bring the audience to have a different perspective on mm -hmm. that kind of typical story that they might feel before reading the pitch and going to the theater that they, they know when it's comfortable, they know what's going to be, but... Yeah, hopefully in return to see all you'll be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I think it's um, you, you're totally right. You know, it sort of plays with expectations and it just makes you think, you know, when things don't necessarily go the way um, that things usually go or just in like Freddie sort of like she's not sure she wants this when she has her outburst on the bus, you know, or or when, you know, are you here to find your parents? I don't know. You know, it's that sort of like she's not like she she does it but she isn't saying expressly like i want to do this i want to do this so she's kind of unpredictable and, and it feels a bit more authentic um maybe than a like a written character can do yeah it, it has to deal with the i would say the contradictory forces that we all subject of and that the, this false this contradictory forces that kind of like uh, uh, go through us and so I'm not sure she knows exactly what she wants. Mm. She's easy to she's she's easy to say no, right? And mm. she's this kind of character that will not like please you, and 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 she hates when people try to dictate her behavior. But still, she says that she's here by surprise in Korea because mm. there was a typhoon and she was supposed to go to Tokyo. But she speaks like it looks like a random choice to go to Korea, whether she was born here. So, but I think sometimes, and, and going back to the to the, the, the what I was saying about the choice of making the film and the unconsciousness of mine to not see the obvious that I had like so much personal deep connection with it is like sometimes I feel that you can do things and you can move into action because you're a bit blind, carrying your own self denial of not being totally conscious of the m the deep meaning of what you do or the deep nature of what you're doing. That if you knew, maybe you will not do things and, and, and i relate to that in many things of my life actually and it's like later on that you understand what was the real meaning of what you did and 
and it's like okay I, I, I get it now but I, I think it's interesting so I, I really wanted to share the story so that we can feel that it's, it's unpredictable because the, the character herself left pretty she doesn't know in the next five minutes what she's gonna do because she will just act out of impulsiveness and instinct right let's go somewhere new see worlds we've never seen before so that we can feel inspired. Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. When you were writing her, you know, how, how much did it change, you know, having this sort of unpredictable character? Like, maybe that's not what I would do maybe that's not what Freddie do that's what I would do I need to I need to sort of always think like Freddie when I'm making these choices um yeah I was hesitating because I I I remember that at one point I I I I doubt in 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 how to write this and I remember there was a moment in the script that I felt that I started having a bit distance on the character mm. and then it feels that the audience were ready to judge her and that's really not what I wanted to do. I knew I tried never to judge her but sometimes you 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 don't know unconsciously again what you do and, and I was thinking no 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 no. I need to be sure even though sometimes Freddie maybe is acting wrong and then the audience will think like no don't go that way and she's going that way but me as a writer and a director I need to really feel that she's right in a way. I need to convince myself that the, the, the decision she's making now is the only one she can make and I'm going 100% with her. It, it's a bit like theoretical to speak like that, like how how does it translate after in filmmaking and story, I, I, I can't really d describe, but I, at one point I, I understood that my way um, to, to sort it out was to really fully believe in every choices she will make and never judge her and feel that she's right when she's making a decision. So exactly what you said, right? But um, it was a bit of struggle to understand that, I would say, in the process of making or writing the film. Well, I think all of that, you know, the work pays off because as a, a, an audience, you know, we go on a sort of a really immersive journey uh, mm -hmm. with her and and I think having an unpredictable protagonist is, is quite exciting for for an audience so it definitely adds you know it pays off in the end um, definitely uh, the film's got a really nice sort of visual quality to it it looks amazing the location you, you shoot in the, the actual like look of the picture on screen as well it's got a sort of really nice I, I, I don't know quite how to describe it if it's sort of like a digital look or a film grainy look but the the colors are sort of all very well curated and and I just sort of drank it in I wonder how early on do you sort of have a, a an image of you know what the picture is going to look like uh, in terms of production design and costumes and colors and that sort of stuff uh, th thank you for saying that. I found myself a bit confused at one point in the prep, but I was before working with my Korean crew. Uh, like when I was trying to, as you say, like like shape and conceive and design what exactly would be the look of the film, and I was like, ah, I don't know. And I, I felt a bit lost because in my previous film it, it looked more obvious. So I I I work step by step, and and we make tests. I talk with my DP, of course, my French DP I used to work with for a long time, with my Korean production designer. And we work in different things with the colorist as well. It was very important. Mm. I wanted the, f the the image of the film to feel organic, so that we immerse ourselves 
in the story and not in that kind of easy immersion effect of just being behind a character and then follow her with the shoulder camera. I didn't want that, but I wanted to find a world in which the colors would be vibrant because I want to, how can I say, match the, the subjectivity experience of Freddy when she's going there. What does she feel? I think there is, again, contradictory feeling of mm. excitation to be in Korea with all that. Everybody wants to go in Korea today, so it's something very exciting, f colorful and stuff, but also a feeling of being confused of being in some kind of hostile environment of a country that basically has rejected her, had rejected her, and so there is too much color. So we were talking a lot about the color aspect and the visual aspect and the evolution of it that will match the evolution of the relationship between Freddy and South Korea, in which at the beginning is over colorful, kind of matching the innocence and the youth of Freddy, but it may be like too much signs, too many signs that she said that you need to decode the sign, but when it's too many signs, you also can feel confused. And step by step in the second part, when she kind of feel she has found her own place, I will say she created her own place in Korean society, which is kind of underground nightlife of Seoul and stuff. Then I think it's more coherent in terms of color palette that it's more green, yellow, and black as if she kind of find her world, but that world is specific, it's very specific, it's like the like it's into the extreme world of the underground night of, of Seoul. And uh, there's something that we talk a lot with the colorists and the DP is that not to be afraid of what I would call bad taste. I don't know it, how much it translates for people watching the film and they find it beautiful and stuff, but for example, I watched Good Time by the Safdie Brothers, which mm -hmm. is a film that I w was really impressed by. And if you look at Good Time, you look at the skin of Robert Pattinson and uh, Benny Safdie, it's, it's all red, it's like pink, it's even like green, which is really the color that normally you never put skin green because that means people want to vomit and they are sick, right? Mm -hmm. But it kind of gives you something of some kind of feeling of danger, feeling of organicity. They look real. It's it's a bit um, I want to say ugly, but there's something ugly about the skin that suddenly make it so close to you. You that they're fragile, and so we work on that. When you think of the first scene of the film in the restaurant and Freddy's like inviting everybody around the table, you look at their face. It's super red, it's super pink, it's a bit green as well, mm. and suddenly it gives some kind of motion to all that world. And if you watch like the typical American film, the skin is so beautiful, it's so like so, mm -hmm. so really well lit with like always the kind of code of. Uh, let's say, mm, I don't know, a blue-green and then mm. yellow-orange, and that's it. And that's so comfortable. So going back to the impredictability that I wanted to create, like how can you create a world that looks alive in which suddenly every little detail can suddenly like get out of reality and you can like catch it? So that's that's what we, we, we try to do. So I make a long answer at the end, but and I could talk more about it, but that was kind of like the basic direction we had. I was just really captivated by the visuals on screen. So I think it's worth mentioning to listeners, like when you see this in the cinema, you know, it's um, it's it's just a, it's like a, every frame. You know, you could be a nice still that you would want to put oh, on a wall, or a, you know, like it's it's a really beautiful piece of work to look at. Um, just mentioning the cinema. Obviously, we're a cinema company. Are you yourself a big cinema fan? Do you get time? Or are you just too busy uh, to go to the movies? No, the thing. No, no. I used to be a lot when I was living in uh, in France, in Lyon, and Paris, of course. And that's that's. Uh, as soon as I go to Paris, when I have <laughs> like when I'm not like taken by all the promotion, I will just like find myself in theater and watch two three films a day. The thing is that I live in Cambodia majority now, and we don't have access to many films actually. Uh, there's like the big mainstream films only, so I watch like Avatar two um, recently, and that's it. So I try to I need to find other ways to mm. watch films, but I have my office, so I do my own cine club and stuff. But uh, I I miss that experience a bit now, and. Uh, 
I know I was just in France for the promotion of the film and uh, the film Return to School went well like in the same time and after Sun actually from UK that was like one oh week nice. later and that kind of gave a bit of hope to the industry to, to say okay our first film independent film can still attract audience and a younger audience who came and a racialized audience and I was kind of like yeah original um, I would say like new type of, of audience uh, coming to see independent film in France and uh, that was super cool so I, I just hope that uh, this is not just an exception, but it can be a momentum for building again, like a trust and, and a desire for people to go into watch women theaters, right? Absolutely, I think there's uh, through social media and, and and things like it's a, maybe a smaller group, but that word of mouth, you know, on, on a yeah. film like Return to Soul is is, is really important, and yeah. you know, it, it, like do tell your friends, do post on social media, share on Letterbox that you've seen it because that really helps. That helps um, a lot. And we've had that with a few, you know, sort of films that are broken out from Cannes, such as Petit Maman a few years ago, yep. um, you know, and uh, and it, it can work, but maybe it's a bit harder. You know, it's not as easy as an Avatar, which has got a huge marketing budget. It's a bit more grassroots. So listeners, do check out Return to Soul and then tell your friends. I think that's the most important thing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Cool. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure.